Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we're grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ, and we'd ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. We, if you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, Steve. 1009 at yahoo.com or you can give me a call Steve B's Mid Production Studio at 910-491-6405 Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area please feel free to contact us. Now folks get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day. And placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be with my co-host Steve Cordo on the show this evening as he breaks unto us the bread of life. And also we ask your blessing upon my co-host Tim Bench as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts that they may continue to sow the seed 
of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in to this radio broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful unto death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. Our speaker for this evening will be my co-host, Steve Cordo. He serves with the East Park Church of Christ. He's the evangelist there. This is a new work for Steve. He's just begun that work there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, my co-host, Tim Bench, he serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ. He'll be answering our question in the shout out platform there uh, that we've taken a question from that platform on Facebook. And uh, Tim is from Abilene, Texas, and he'll be answering our question. So we just have one speaker and one question on the broadcast this evening. So open up your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have a great show after the break. The next one you hear be that of my co-host, Steve Cordo. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Yes. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host Steve Cordo and his subject: Jesus didn't die for a, Christ- a convenient Christianity. And good evening, Stevie. Thanks again for uh, having me on the uh, program this week. I have tried to go live on Facebook, and it's not working. So, anyone trying to catch me there? Um, I'll try and post a video of it later, is uh, actually a series that I've been doing uh, about six things that Jesus did not die for. And last time we looked at how he did not die for us to have um, uh, personal ambitions. Remember, we talked about James and John uh, and their mother coming to Jesus and saying, hey, can one of my uh, sons sit on the right hand and one on the left when you come into your kingdom? And he talked about how they really didn't understand what they were asking. And so today I want to look at the fact that Jesus did not die for a convenient Christianity. And to do that, we're going to take a look actually at the Old Testament. If you remember from Romans chapter 15, we're told that things written aforetime were uh, written for our learning so that we may have understanding and, uh, and have hope through them. And we're going to look at David. So if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles and open up to Second uh, Samuel chapter 24, that's where we'll be uh, looking, and the idea of comfortable or convenient Christianity has to do with the idea that Jesus didn't die for us to sit in church buildings. He didn't die for us to uh, be able to um, sit and, and uh, uh, have things come to us in the manner that we want them to. Now, there's nothing wrong with convenience, but the danger is when we look at uh, for a convenience in our Christianity rather than look at it as a sacrifice and a commitment. And we look at how many things we have in life that are a, a matter of convenience. And this article that I'm using to base this series on comes out of beliefnet.com, and it's entitled Six Things Jesus Didn't Die For. And what it says about comfortable and convenient Christianity is that when trials and suffering or any type of hardship hits our perfect Christian lives, we automatically think it can't be from God. It must be from Satan. 
The truth, however, is God uses persecutions to test our faith and build us spiritually. It is in trials and tribulations that we are reminded how little we are without God. We are forced to examine our lives, our hopes, our dreams, and our mortality as the heat of persecution rises. We have nothing to hold on to except for God, and during trials, some people fall away and abandon their faith. But this is not the correct response. Instead, grab hold of Christ, cling to him, and know that there is a reason for your suffering. There are some lessons you are meant to learn so uh, that God could teach you no other way. So focus on him and learn. And our blessings are a convenience. Now, when I was preparing for this lesson, I read about uh, an account by an American missionary. He uh, lives and works in Germany. And he told about his wife coming back to the States for some medical treatment. And he, his wife's name is Susan, and she was uh, with some friends. Uh, and Susan uh, was in the States for medical reasons, he said, and she stayed with some friends of ours named Norman and Sandra. Susan went with Sandra to run some errands. First, they went to the bank through a drive through window. Then they went to the dry cleaners to pick up some clothes. And again, they did this through a drive through window, didn't have to get out of the car. Next, they went to pick up a few groceries, and since they only needed a gallon of milk and a carton of eggs and some soft drinks, they stopped at the Minute Mart, and they had it brought through a window. The next stop was to drop some pictures. This will tell you how old this is. They had to drop some pictures off for developing, uh, and if you're under about 40, that's how we used to do pictures before digital cameras and things came along. And guess what? Well, they went through a drive through photo store. And then they made a stop at a drugstore to get a prescription, went through the drive-thru, and finally they went to Bojangles, fast food chicken restaurant, to pick up some supper, and are you ready for this? They went through the drive-thru. Now, if you're counting, that's six stops they made, and they didn't have to get out of the car once. Very convenient. Now, the one thing he didn't say when he told the story was what the weather was like that day. If it was a, a lousy rain-snow day, uh, it would be very convenient to stay in the car. But think about it. That that um, conveniences and, and how great they are in our modern society. They make life very easy for us. But in the reason that we, uh, but with our spirituality, we sometimes want that same convenience. The fact of the matter is, though, in our society, we tend to carry our desire for convenience and comfort a little too far when it comes to the spiritual realm. We avoid our commitment many times and dedications. And dedications are, are required as part of a Christianity, as is sacrifice. So if you're in Second Samuel chapter 24, beginning in verse 18, there's an instance here where what was convenient could have been the road that David took. Because he had to make a sacrifice uh, uh, to God in offering for a sin that he committed. If you look back at the uh, uh, earlier in the chapter, you'll see uh, there... Uh, the, the trouble actually he got into when he when this uh, came about and now here's the thing a convenient Christianity does not cost us anything uh, there's a quote from J.C. Ryle a biblical scholar from years ago who said that there's a common wor worldly kind of Christianity in this day which many have and many think have enough a cheap Christianity which offends, which offends nobody and requires no sacrifice which costs nothing and is worth nothing. And if you think about it, there's a lot of denominations that are going in that direction. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to stand for anything. But if you're looking here in verse 18, David is sent to a particular threshing floor to make a sacrifice. 
and went, and I have a hard time pronouncing this name, but Arona, the owner of the threshing floor, comes out and offers to give the place to David free of charge. David refuses. He comes out and basically says, uh, excuse me, king, your majesty, uh, here, here's the, the threshing floor, and there's the oxen over there, the wood for the fire. Uh, it's all yours. Just, just whatever you want, help yourself, putting it in modern American English. And had David taken that material, the sacrifice, if you think about it, would not have been David's. It would have been Aruna's. David's spirit here is a model for us as Christians, that we should not give something to God that means nothing to us. In other words, if we have to make a sacrifice to serve our Lord, that we should be uh, there and willing to do it. If they, if they had entered this kind of a practice, the offering would have meant nothing to God. If David had just said, okay, yeah, I'll take all the, the material you're offering and uh, I'll make my sacrifice, it would not have uh, uh, been anything uh, to God. Accepting the offer would have been very convenient. Let's face it, I don't have to carry any money with me. It's all right there. I can just get it. Maybe he would even have offered the people to build the altar for the king. Who knows uh, how that would have been. It would have been so easy for David to uh, accept this. And I'm sure the, uh, the owner there meant well by offering this to the king. But David knew that simply taking the threshing floor and the oxen at no cost uh, it was, would be no uh, dedication to God. In other words, it would not show him having any dedication. Verse 24, you notice, David says, I will surely buy it from you at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. And I'm sure David, back when he was at home, had every whatever convenience they had in those days. Uh, when he got out of bed in the morning, I doubt he had to make his own bed or prepare his own breakfast. Uh, I'm sure he had uh, household servants who would have taken care of all that so that he would uh, be able to attend to the affairs of state. Uh, even at the White House, there's people to take care of the president so he doesn't have to worry about uh, getting his own coffee or his breakfast or his lunch. There would be someone to do that so he can take care of business. And the same concept would apply to us. In other words, are you looking for Christianity of convenience? Are you looking for a Christianity that you can just come in, sit down, hear a sermon, sing a few songs, and then go on your way and not be expected to grow? Because real Christianity will require you to take up a cross. David knows that this faith is going to be costly. He knows that making things right with the Lord is going to carry a price. So he buys the threshing floor. And sometimes for us to make things right with the Lord, I, I don't have to go and pay money, but I might have to give up something uh, in my life uh, to be able to uh, uh, have a proper walk with God. And we can see that God is pleased with David's sacrifice. He accepts it. So what do we learn from this? Well, we're going to learn that an act of faith is like this threshing floor. In other words, it sifts out everything from our lives that is not pleasing to the Lord. That's what a threshing floor did. It, it separated the wheat from, or the grain or whatever it, that you put in there from whatever uh, uh, chaff or uh, seeds or anything that you didn't need or want in the, in the grain. It, it got it out of there. In James chapter 2, we are told that a real and active faith requires works. Now understand, we're not saying that works earn you salvation. We, we, work, we're not talking about works of merit. You look at the context of James chapter 2, he is talking about works of obedience that, that show the genuineness of our faith. 
the genuineness of our faith in Jesus is evidenced more by what a person does than by what a person says or claims. In other words, people are going to watch what you do, and that's going to carry more weight than what you say. And that's how people are going to know that we are Christians is by the, the works that we show. The way I illustrate it a lot is my dad was a career Air Force man. Now, how did the neighbors know he was in the Air Force? Well, when he went out to work every day, he had the uniform on so they could look at it and know he's in the Air Force. And somebody who's in the Army and can look at their uniform, you know they're in the Army. Well, now on Sunday, some of us will wear suits and ties when we go to church. And then we, afterwards, we go to a restaurant or whatever. People are going to assume, oh, you're in a suit and tie and the ladies are in dresses. You're coming from a church service. But what about on Monday morning when you go to work and, uh, or you go to school and you're sitting in class in your blue jeans? Or you're there working at Walmart, you're wearing cargo pants and a, and a polo shirt and a vest. How are people going to know you're a Christian? We don't have a uniform. Or we don't have a lapel pen like the Rotarians do or the Kiwanis Club has. How are they going to know? Well, James is telling us the works are going to be our uniform. The way I live my life, if I'm doing the works uh, that, that Jesus wants me to do, and showing a love for my brethren and a love for people, that is my uniform. That is how they're going to know that I am a Christian if my profession, or rather if my actions back up my professions. James chapter 2, uh, James tells us that if we don't have works to back up our, 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 our Christianity, then our, uh, our faith is dead, and dead faith does nothing. Now, I heard a, a well-known uh, Baptist preacher from out in the uh, Phoenix, Arizona area uh, doing an interview once, and he just believes all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus. That's it. You're saved. And he pointed out James mentioned how people uh, who don't have works have a dead faith, but they have faith, he says. They're still saved. They have a dead faith, but they have a faith. Now, let's think about that for just a minute. What good is a dead faith? I have a battery in my car. If I go out to start the car and the battery's dead, what good is it? It's not going to do me a bit of good. Uh, I need to get that dead battery out of there and put a, a, a working one in, or at least get this, uh, the old one charged. A dead battery does me no good. A dead faith does you no good. You have got to have the works to back it up. You have got to show people that you are a Christian. And at times, our commitment to God will be costly to maintain. I do know some people whose families disown, not, not very many, one or two, whose families disown them because they became a Christian. And there have been some Christians I've known who have either given up or lost jobs because of their faith. It can cost you to be a real, genuine Christian. But faith that costs you nothing is really no faith at all. And then convenient Christianity is going to take the easy way. David could have taken, going back to our text, David could have taken the land and accepted all the offer as a gift. I mean, he could have done it the easy way. And when he convinced uh, Arona that he was determined to buy the threshing floor, he could have just uh, taken everything. In fact, as the king in those days with no parliament or courts, he probably could have just taken it uh, legally by divine right, basically, because he's the king. But there's, and there seems to be nothing wrong with the offer. I don't think Aruna did anything wrong by making the offer. He was just trying to be helpful. But David knew this problem that he had created was his own, and he knew the, the, the solution had to be personal. He had to uh, purchase the property, 
of the threshing floor and the offering, which would be the oxen and all the wood and everything that he needed. And it says, the text tells us he paid 50 shekels of silver. Uh, I checked this here a week or so ago, and 50 shekels of silver in today's money is approximately $501.85 is what it came up with. To us, that may not be a lot of money. But back in those days, when you had to carry your money with you, and they didn't have checks and debit cards, carrying around that kind of money could be uh, present all kinds of problems for robbers and that kind of thing. And so what was accomplished in this offering? Well, look at 2 Samuel chapter 24. Look at verse 17. Notice David is taking responsibility for his sin. And a lot of times, let's face it, it's not particularly convenient for me to take responsibility for my actions. But it's what God expects. David knew that if he offered uh, the animals, uh, uh, Aruna's animals, on Aruna's property and using Aruna's fire, then he was not really taking responsibility. This would be like when a teenager gets in trouble with the law, he's standing before the judge, and the judge says, okay, I'm going to fine you uh, $1,000. And mom or dad whips out their checkbook and writes the check. They're taking responsibility. Now, legally, the, uh, in the eyes of the law, they have to. But if they don't require the son or the daughter to pay them back or do something, they're not making the, the child take or the teen or the youth take responsibility for what they've done. And David here knew he had to take that responsibility. It would not be his offering uh, if he didn't. And then here's a big one, that convenient Christianity requires no changing. The threshing is shaking the, that separates grain from all the waste around it. But a convenient Christianity has no threshing. There is no requirement to change. And when we see denominations going around saying, okay, uh, we're going to keep with society, so we'll change the definition of marriage. We'll, we'll allow same-sex, or we'll allow polygamy, or uh, we'll allow divorce for any reason, or, or, or whatever uh, they want to do. They're basically saying, hey, look, come to our church. You don't have to change. You can stay exactly where you are. So let me ask a question. What's the point in becoming a Christian if I don't have to change anything? If I can just continue on and be good enough that God will accept me. There's no point in becoming a Christian if change is not required, if I'm not required to put sin away. And true Christianity will require some effort. I don't think you can truly worship the way God deserves without working at it and putting sin out of your lives and making it a priority. And again, I'm not talking to earn salvation. I'm not talking a works-based salvation. True Christianity also will cost some time. And Sunday morning, sure, Wednesday uh, nights and things like that, I also need to devote time uh, when I'm not at the church building to reading and studying and, and uh, leading people to Christ. And then ultimately, true Christianity is going to cost you your life. It's going to make – I have to make changes. Romans chapter 12 says, I urge you, brothers – uh, or I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, beseech, I beg, uh, you know, Paul is really begging them, pushing them, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then if you look at verse 24, he said, David said, I will not offer offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. He realized that he had to pay something. He could not cut corners. David had come to the threshing floor of his own heart is how we could look at it. The wheat and the chaff in his heart is going to be separated. There's no more getting off cheap for him. The way to wholeness here is going to be expensive. 
He's come to the threshing floor here of his own heart. He's thrashing about for answers has finally led him here. His attitude is what a modern Christian should aspire to. David will no longer thrash around now. He is, he's not looking for a way out of his guilt. He is taking responsibility. Modern Christians, we need to take responsibility when we sin. We need to take responsibility for our actions and take responsibility to, uh, for the lost and to reach out to them. Had David taken all this material, the sacrifice would not have been his. And God expects me to give my best to him. He expects all of us to give our best. And I'm not talking about dressing up in your best clothes for Sunday. That's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. But if you want to dress up, that's fine. But I'm talking about you know, where does God fit, for instance, on your weekend schedule? Do you put block out Sundays? I'm at church. I'm meeting with God's uh, saints. I am fellowshipping. Or do you look at it as, okay, I can't get a golf time, can't go fishing, don't have anywhere. Okay, yeah, I guess I'll go to church. That's giving God the leftovers. That's like when the offering comes around and I fish in my wallet. Here, I got, I got a five. I'll just toss that in. Versus I'm planning, I'm going to give X amount per week, and I've put that in my budget, and I will give that every week. And then we have to see that convenient Christianity um, is submitting to the lordship of Jesus uh, as long as it will cost me no inconvenience. In other words, as a convenient Christian, I'm going to do it only if it's convenient. If I don't get laughed at, if nobody makes fun of me, if I don't have to uh, change my job to something more acceptable to what God wants, then uh, I'll, I'll be a Christian, sure. A convenient Christianity has never changed the world but shaking things up will. In other words, just telling people they can come and continue in their sinful life, that's not going to change the world. That's not going to do anything. Telling people, no, you've got to uh, change and live as the Bible says, that's going to draw a lot more uh, attention. That's going to shake things up. Convenient Christianity is really a false way of living in which people profess to be followers of Jesus, but they are unwilling to be inconvenienced to serve him. So for us today, if we approach God through the sacrifice that Jesus made, God will forgive our sins, no matter what they are. It doesn't matter how bad your sin is. God can still forgive it. God will have mercy on us, and he'll deliver us uh, from those. But it's got to be done through Jesus. Remember, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. And that's my lesson for this evening uh, Stevie, and I'll be back next week to answer the shouted out question. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for having me. All right, you worshipers. Time to forget about all the trust the devil's brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now, this time. We gotta give him praise. Let everybody worship. Come on, the Lord. Let's worship him. Oh, come on, saints, he's worthy. Eradicate from your mind everything, everything, all the pain and Let your trouble make. Worthy of the glory, giving the praise, yeah. Oh, together we can.
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, you can contact me at Stevie B. Media Production Studio at 910-491-6405. Or you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Due to the coronavirus outbreak, I will not be making any public announcements until further notice regarding the meeting of uh, public assemblies, but I will be making announcements for the events and activities that are happening here on social media. But I do have one um, congregation that has begun meeting now in their building here in the local area here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, here at 500 Helen Street, here in 500 Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Their services will begin uh, the worship service will start at 10 a.m. and the Bible class will begin after their worship service ends. I do have an announcement to make regarding one of my staff members here on Stevie B's Media Production. Uh, uh, my staff, one of my staff members, Linda Dilly, she was killed on June the 2nd in an automobile accident. She was hit head on by a drunk driver there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she lived. And our prayers and our condolences go out to her family. And on tomorrow night, we want to do a special tribute show to Linda. Linda on staff here, she was writing the questions for all of the artists that we interviewed on that uh, Friday night program. So we're certainly going to miss her. And our prayers are with her family. 
on Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn they must do not be saved as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. And it's also intended to strengthen and edify the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Dell Crest Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Worker Bible Class. And that class will be on www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692. 8262. And daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line, hosted by the Church of Christ in Lafayette, Louisiana. The telephone number for this prayer line is 605 472 5203. And the access code is 514 859. My co-host, Steve Cordo, he just presented a lesson here on the show a few minutes ago. He has a new book entitled God Gracing You, and you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. There will be a spring-summer series every fourth Wednesday of each month, and that series will start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This will be a preacher's panel discussion. Join Minister Michael Crusoe as he he moderates a series of discussions featuring seasoned preachers in the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ. And the topic under discussion will be expanding the role of women in Christian worship. What a word from the Lord. And just a program reminder, Stevie B's Mid Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. And the telephone number to this live show is 713 955 0508 or you can type in your search bar www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show and that will bring you to the live show on Tuesday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time I'll be hosting a live show what a word from the Lord radio show and each week on this broadcast we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ we'll be presenting a lesson from the word of God we also have the Community Corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community. Also, I have three co-hosts on that show. Lou Gilbert, he's the evangelist for the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my newest co-host, Shana Otis, she has the, the ministry uh, from the Grayway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee. She heads up the ministry, the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry. And they will be on the air every third Tuesday of the month. They'll be on air. And also my newest co-host, Isa Mullins, he serves at the Hunter Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then on Thursday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, the Gospel Life Radio Show. And on this broadcast, I have eight co-hosts who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week I have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking questions from my social media platform on Shout It Out on Facebook that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on this live show. 
And then on Friday night at our new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast radio show. And on that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. Also, I'm, I'm, I have a Story Glory segment where every first Friday of the month, I'm interviewing the artists that we're playing on this broadcast. And let's see here. Yeah, we got the top 20 countdown show that we're doing every third Friday of the month. I'll be counting down my top 20 acapella gospel songs for the month of June on next Friday night. And then my own demand episodes. If you can't catch any of these live shows, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, there's just so many musical platforms out there that you can use to listen to your podcast. I'd just like to announce some of the major ones that people are more familiar with. Uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Amazon Music and YouTube, just to name a few. Now, I have a new sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if you would like to sponsor any of these radio shows, you can give her a call at 954-687-4705. I'd like to give a shout-out to all of my sponsors. We certainly appreciate them for sponsoring these radio shows. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois, Bethesda Memorial Front of Director Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Marat from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yvonne Blazing Cracker Duke from Nashville, Tennessee. Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina. Marquise Holmes from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina. Diversified Furniture Network LLC from Dallas, Texas. Known as Mark and Charlotte Curl. And Ordained Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B's new production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, and we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcements. Stay tuned for our shout it out question. It's coming up next after the break. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Table. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to one of my co-hosts. We also want to encourage our listeners to get involved in that biblical those biblical discussions that are going on in that group on Facebook as well. Now, my co-host that will be answering our question this evening is Tim Bench. He serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, 
Texas. Hey, Tim, how you doing, my brother? Hello, Stevie. Hey, we got a doozy for you on the broadcast this evening. Now, we have three questions that have been posed in this question here on uh, this platform this evening. Now, this question is from uh, Dion Hogg from the state of North Carolina. Now, here's the first question. Why is it that the Church of Christ reframes or is standoffish with the word Trinity? Number two, what exactly is or does the Holy Trinity mean? And number three, does the Bible speak of the Trinity? What say you to these questions? Stevie, I have no idea what the charge means that the Church of Christ is standoffish in regard to the word Trinity. I've heard and seen the term serve as a point of discussion and sermon fodder many times over the years, and it's also a topic of discussion in multiple Facebook groups and dialogue. Every church publication, uh, and I checked out the Christian Chronicle, the Christian Courier, Apologetics Press and others, all of them have articles on this topic, so it's certainly not a matter that is refrained from. And I myself have done two previous segments on this subject here for for the uh, Gospel Light, so it seems like we need to have a fuller, more exhaustive segment at some point on the term Trinity, maybe a special edition uh, segment. But to address the questions posed by Mr. Hogue, The Bible does not use the word Trinity directly. It never says Trinity, but the concept of a Trinity certainly exists throughout uh, Scripture, namely that there is a Father, there is a Son, there is a Holy Ghost, all distinctly separate entities. This is from Kyle Butt with Apologetics Press, quote, the concept that the Godhead is three personalities, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one nature is often summarized as presenting a triune God. The term triune denotes a trinity of personalities in one unified nature. The noun form of the adjective is trinity. The term trinity is used by the vast majority of Christians and others who accept the thesis of this article to describe the nature and personalities of God, end quote. People at times will turn around and make the argument that, well, Jesus and God are one and the same. They are the same being and thus denying the existence of a Trinity view. And this is refuted by uh, none other than Jesus himself. Let's look at what Jesus himself uh, has to say in John chapter 14, verses 6 through 9. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 7, if ye had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the father, and how sayest thou then, show us the father? Jesus obviously very clearly stated that he was separate from the Father. And in the first verse that comes to mind when you want to think about that, when he's hanging on the cross, when he's dying, what does Jesus famously say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was some separation that existed uh, between the two. Here's a quick checklist, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I think this gives some points uh, when we're considering the Trinity throughout the New Testament. 
and whether or not Jesus is separate from the Father. Uh, we are told in John chapter 5, verses 17, 18, and 19, that the Father and Jesus are working. Jesus speaks of the Father loving him in John chapter 5, verse 20. There has been a delegation of authority in John chapter 5, verse 22, and also John chapter 5, verses 23 and 27. Jesus does not do his own will. According to John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus mentions self-witness in his in John chapter 5, verse 31, and that there are separate witnesses to him in the following uh, verse. The Father speaks of Jesus as a separate being. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, also in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, what does God say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 1 John chapter 5, verse 9, God is born witness of his Son. Uh, he is, there are separate listings, one Spirit, one Lord, one God, one Father, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Jesus was with God, according to John chapter 1, verse 1, and John also declares Jesus to be both God and with God. So this is, you know, again, a topic that becomes difficult to try to explain and understand how we can have one Godhead or one Trinity, but yet with three distinct and separate personalities. There are other scriptures that demonstrate the Godhead is one in nature. One of the most well-known passages is back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Similar passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, which reads, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, and is above all, and through all, and in you all. The Bible says that one God created us, back in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, but a closer look at the creation of man, this has always been interesting shows that some type of multiplicity was involved. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That term our, there's the Hebrew word Elohim. Morality is plural. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, God and Male and female, he created them. Again, the Hebrew language used here in this passage is written, uh, and it certainly allows and shows that one God must have some aspect of multiplicity or plurality. All three personalities of God, meaning the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, share one unified nature that applies equally to all of them. Peter, or Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17, we read that Jesus received from God the Father, honor, and glory. Jude chapter 1 is written to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, when Jesus was instructing his disciples on how to pray. Again, this is a very famous verse that I think probably most all of us have read and heard before. He told them to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. The Apostle Paul 
is making a distinction between the two in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, quotes Jesus as saying that his followers should famously baptize disciples. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's that manifestation of the three personages who make up the term Trinity. Peter wrote that Christians were elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. So again, a straightforward and honest reading of these passages puts the three on equal footing in terms of rank, so to speak, but again, separate and distinct. Uh, worth special consideration, and I've seen this discussed on in Facebook groups many times, is Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Again, this is a story that's very well known. You have a wealthy young man, a wealthy young ruler who has this vast wealth and apparently is a very good person. He's followed all these laws his entire life, and he comes to Jesus and he says to him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by saying, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So again, it's it's very clear that Jesus at this point uh, sees himself as separate and distinct from God the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit are just as much God as the Father is, Again, we get back into the distinction, but also the unity of the three. In John chapter 10, verse 30, we read, I and my Father are one. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but also made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I think that verse gives arguably the best explanation and the most thorough explanation that we have from the New Testament about what the Trinity really means, about the purpose of Jesus uh, separating himself, so to speak, from God. And in closing, uh, this is a quotation that I found uh, from Walter Martin, a pretty well-known preacher, and I think this is really a good accurate and concise definition about the term trinity and how it applies quote the doctrine of the trinity teaches that within the unity of the one godhead there are three separate persons who are co-equal in power nature and eternity end quote so i hope that provides a you know a little bit of an answer to the question and again stevie i think this is a topic that has come up several times in the last three to four years, we might want to consider, you know, again, doing an extended uh, series or segment on this topic. Well, brother, you know me, I'm game for anything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. I certainly appreciate the answer. Very thorough answer. Certainly appreciate your efforts on this question tonight. You bet. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. It's almost time for me to close out this radio show. You're listening to the Gospel Length Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. 
give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. There will not be any more proclamation of the Jesus Christ on this broadcast tonight. We only have one speaker for the show tonight. We had two scheduled, but one of my speakers had to uh, drop out at the last minute. But on tonight's show broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, we're just certainly grateful that you've been able to tune into this broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. Uh, Steve Cordo was supposed to do his presentation live. He normally goes live on Facebook when he does his presentation, but he wasn't able to do that tonight. But we certainly appreciate Steve's efforts on the show tonight. He started a series on uh, things that Jesus didn't die for uh, in Christianity, and we certainly appreciate all his efforts. And I certainly appreciate my co-host, Tim Bench, for answering that question on the broadcast tonight. Good question. Those are three uh, very good questions that was posed to uh, Tim on the broadcast tonight by Dion Hall from the state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. It is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning into this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Steve R. Butler. I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You've been listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show, episode 233. And if you miss me from singing, sing it. and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory. glory. I'll be singing the faith. Yes, I will. And Show! 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.